What is up and welcome to another episode of Draft is in Session. Will Decker here with the main man, the madman, Jamal Madney in the cut. How are you doing, brother? It's great to see you over the Zoom. Will the Thrill, always so great to see you. I see you rocking the new haircut, a new shave. I mean, just we got GQ off the off the phone here. You know, my phone is not stopping <laughs> ringing with, with GQ trying to chase you down. So thrilled you can carve out some time for this uh, today. Thrilled to be here. Got to come correct when Madman is on the other end of this. This is going to be a fun one. This is one we've kind of been circling all season. Not really a top guy, uh, at least a consensus top guy. A lot of depth running backs that I think may surprise people that we're higher on. But like we were talking about, man, we've talked about this quite a while. It's the value of where you select these guys. In my opinion, the day of the first round running back is already, it's done. I would never be caught taking a running back in the first round, given what we know of the production you could find the later rounds. Your Alvin Kamara's, your Derrick Henry's. These guys were not first round selections and they're the faces of the running back position in the NFL. What was your process like kind of evaluating these backs that we put in the top five, Mad Men? Well, really interesting. You know, I feel like we're, you know, this episode of Draft is in Session feels like one of those don't invest podcasts, you know, that JP Morgan <laughs> Chase has every now and then where it's like, don't draft a running back high, but if you do, here are some guys that maybe, you know, protect some downside risk. You know, it, it sort of feels that way a little bit with this episode. For me, Will, you know, the evaluation process was quite simple. Number one, I was looking for versatility uh, because yeah. that is the one area where you can sort of separate as a running back. Can you not only be productive on the ground, can you be effective in the pass catching game? Can you be effective in the blocking game? And also, are you kind of a home run back? And could you potentially be a short yardage back as well? So in, in much the same way the great baseball players are evaluated with five tools, I kind of think of great running backs now as sort of five tool players in terms of that position. You know, short yardage, home run, blocking, the ability to just be great runners, and then the ability to be able to catch out of the backfield. You know, if you can sort of demonstrate all five of those things, then you're, you're going to sort of separate yourself in terms of value. And then, of course, just the on-the-field production uh, and through durability. So versatility was one for me, and then durability is second for me. And, and you know, closely related to that is obviously how much tread is on the tires, how many yeah. games did you play, uh, because the shelf life is so small with the running back. You don't want necessarily someone that's already come in banged up, that's already kind of come in with a lot of tread, and that reduces that short uh, that lifespan even shorter. So versatility and durability were the two things I was particularly looking at. I love it. Five tool players. We're looking for that Mike Trout of the running back room. Buyer beware, but we're all looking for those five tool guys. Madman, lead us off. Who is your number one running back? when it comes to the 2022 NFL draft? So, Will, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be surprising anyone with my number one overall running back. I think it gets interesting and exciting after number one. But for me, the number one running back in this class is Brees Hall. Um, I think that, you know, his ability, you know, the, the, per, the productivity at Iowa State was, was off the charts this year and as well as it was in the 2020 season. 
where, you know, Iowa State really had that breakthrough into a New Year's Six game. You know, he's coming off of, you know, 1,472 yards, 20 touchdowns, 5.8 yards per. But what I love about him also is the pass catching ability, 36 catches, 302 yards, three touchdowns. And then, of, of course, broke the NCAA record with 24 consecutive games with a rushing touchdown. What I love about him is he's smooth. He's got great feet um, and just very different types of runs. You know, it's sort of a one cut and go type of running back. He's, you know, was able to use his feet to maneuver out of more three, four, five yard situations and was able to move the chains. Great spin moves, uh, you know, great balance and, and low center of gravity there. But I think the one thing that sort of makes him especially unique uh, unlike some of the other running backs, is his ability to hold the ball well in both hands. You know, he had so many runs uh, this year in particular where he was holding the ball with the left. And, you know, that's just a different look for a defense sometimes. And so when you're kind of going strong side, it's just that much harder for a defensive player to sort of wrap their arms all the way across your body to try and jar the bar loose or make you uncomfortable. And then when you sort of, look at him in kind of more straight line and short yardage situations. He was able to move the ball predominantly in his right hand as well. And so that, that ambidextrous capability of being able to hold the ball in both hands with equal degree of comfort really separates it for me. He reminds me a lot of Sean Alexander and, you know, he's into shorter, but he's got that nose. Will he's got that instinct for the big play. He's got that nose for the end zone. And he just sort of affects the game in a lot of different ways. Iowa State even sent him out in just some kind of straight, uh, you know, throwing packages and where he was actually running routes and just incredible ability to sort of break free from linebackers, break free from safeties, make some one-handed catches as well. And I just love his presence in the backfield. So for all of those reasons, I got to go Brees Hall. Well, let me just say the last episode – and we try to disagree at times, you know, like we're, we're having a draft show. We encourage debate from time to time. You called my Nicobe Dean comparison to Derek Brooks, the best of the draft process. When I heard Sean Alexander, after just watching hours of Brees Hall tape, that overtakes my Derek Brooks take. That was the best comparison in draft season. Brees Hall, what do you want from this guy? Six foot one, 220 pounds. You just name it. He just checks the most boxes. And he's the most complete running back in the class. I mean, this guy ran for nearly 4,000 yards in three years and almost 3,000 of them in the last two. This guy is a baller. 24 straight games with the touchdowns, you said. It's not like he's just grinding these out. I mean, this guy was averaging close to six yards a carry both of those years. Like, this guy can absolutely ball. 41 touchdowns rushing just the last two years. And, I mean, 36 grabs, 302 yards, three touchdowns. Come on, that's crazy. Do we believe in the 40 time or not? That's a different question for a different day. But this guy ran a 439 at six foot one, 220. Like the guy can move for his size. Um, he had the most uh most yards after a broken tackle, or yeah. however you want to phrase that stat. Yards, uh, after yep. yards after contact, correct. After 2019, or the most since 2019, I should say. Uh, so this guy is just an absolute baller. The carry number concerns me a little bit because we're looking at tread on the tires. He's got 780 career carries, which is a lot, but he's just a big durable back. And I just see a guy that is meant for the NFL, you know, 
wrecking crew essentially and trying to knock you out of every single play. He's not built like a small guy. This is a guy that has the build to succeed in the NFL. Brees Hall was my number one back too. So love the Brees Hall pick, Madman. What is up, Bruin Bible listeners? We interrupt this podcast to bring you our new deal that we have. We are excited to announce that we have partnered with a number of different sports books to give you the best options for all your betting needs. For our California listeners, BetUS.com is the perfect, the perfect place to bet on the NFL draft, the NBA, or any sport that you are interested in. Get a 125% bonus on your first deposit with our link. If you live in a betting state, then be sure to check out our deal with DraftKings, FanDuel, or BetMGM. Plenty of free money out there with your first free deposit. In order to get our special deal, uh, you have to type in Bruin Bible. Uh, you have to click on the link located in the description or go to LAFB Betting Offers. Uh, win big with these amazing promotions and bet safely. Now, back to the podcast. We got to roll in the number two. Who is your guy? I think I've got a good indication on who this was. And may I say it was maybe one of the most fun tapes I've seen when it comes to the running back room. So, Will, I am going to surprise you a little bit. Uh, you know, my kind of two and three, very, very close. Uh, but the guy who I think is actually the second best prospect uh, in the draft is James Cook. The Whoa! Oh my gosh. He was so, on my list. He was on my list. What I what I love about Cook, and I know there's some other guys, there's sort of Walker and Spiller and Price and some others. Um, he he sort of jumped off the page for me for a couple of reasons. Uh, obviously the numbers are there, 728 yards, seven touchdowns. He split a lot of time. You know, with, with, with White exactly. He had the 27 catches, 284 yards, four touchdowns. What I love about Cook is he can be your home run guy. He can be a short yardage guy with power. He's got the home run ability with the speed. And then it is his ability to catch the ball. Uh, and and in, a, in an offense that had a very high stakes, big games, the Georgia team this year, obviously they had really good tight end play, but the wide receiver play was shaky uh, most of that season. And in many cases, in many of the big games, Cook was actually their best receiver. And so his ability to catch it out of the backfield and do kind of uh, the things in the backfield as a traditional runner, you know, there's elements, there's ingredients of Alvin Kamara there. There's even ingredients of Marshall Falk there. And I think that, you know, when you've got that level of versatility and when you factor in that he shared the backfield in his career and he's going to be so fresh going into the NFL. I know it's a curveball. I know there's there's guys that are kind of ranked a little bit higher, but I don't think anyone can sort of convince me that anyone played in more big games, yeah. had as much of an impact in those big games, was as versatile, if not more versatile, than, than Mr. Cook outside of Brees Hall and someone who's going to be fresh enough to play at the next level. And so, and also going up against elite competition in the form of the defensive line and in the secondary and practice every day. This is a guy who's NFL ready in every sense of the word. It's a surprise. I know I like, I like James Cook. I love it. He was actually my fifth running back. So I did have him in my top five, not necessarily number two, but I just want to touch on some of the points you made. 
230 carries in his career. Like this guy is coming in fresh, ready to go. And the thing that I loved is a small sample size, but he was a senior this year. He averaged in each of his four years over six yards a carry in the SEC. That's showing he's a very, very explosive player. The pass catching is what stood out to me. Like this guy is an NFL ready pass catcher outside of, you know, maybe Brees Hall and, you know, another guy I'm going to get to, I won't spoil his name. Um, this guy is, you know, in that top tier of pass catchers when it's coming to this draft. James Cook has the ability. And I'm so glad you brought up the big game plays. When I think of Georgia beating Alabama this past year, that 67 yard run that James White, uh, excuse me, James Cook was able to put together was yeah. the highlight of the game for me. Like that was yeah. the, the play where I'm going, oh, Georgia's actually going to take down this Nick Saban Bama team. Like this is actually a thing, it's going to happen. Um, I just, I love the, the completeness of his game. I think he checks like three out of my five boxes. He's, you know, he can run for, you know, short games. He can run for power and he's a great pass catcher. And I think because of that and how diverse you have to be at the NFL level nowadays, he's going to make a roster and he's going to surprise people. By the way, his brother is Dalvin cook. Like he has the NFL lineage. His brother is probably giving him the playbook on how to be successful in the NFL as we speak. So you got everything here with, with James Cook. And, like, for me, this is a guy I probably should have ranked higher after hearing your opinions on him because I love the kid. Will, the other big play that also stands to mind is everyone forgets that Georgia-Tennessee game in October. And Georgia kind of struggled out of the gates in that game. It was the first time where we saw maybe some sort of chinks in the armor and in, in the, the, the vernier of absolute dominance, dominance and invincibility out of Georgia. And they kind of struggled in the first quarter of that game. And it was that that sideline wheel route, you know, that Stetson Bennett hit Cook on for about 45 yards and a touchdown that sort of relaxed that whole team and opened that game up and sort of propelled Georgia not only in that game, but in games after. He's got the lineage. He's got that big game experience. He's got that versatility. I know it's a surprise, but I'm very high on Cook, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people next year in the NFL. I love it, man. And that is, like, why we have this podcast. We want to get out the guys that deserve to be drafted. And Cook, my God. I mean, if you're looking there in the fourth, fifth round, that's a guy that I targeted. And I'm like, let's get this guy in the building, get him in our running back room. He instantly makes us better. The guy that I have for you that I thought you were going to go with, but I understand after hearing the argument, I just, after turning on the tape, man, it was so beautiful to watch. It is that one kid in high school that is exponentially better than the rest of the field. That's what it felt like. Kenneth Walker. And I know it's a one-year wonder to some people. I know he was he was weirdly used at Wake Forest, I want to say. He was like more of a goal line back. 13 touchdowns that year, but he only had like 584 yards. So, like, it wasn't like he was gaining the yards that he was uh, at Michigan State. 263 carries, 1,600 yards, 18 touchdowns, 6.2 yards a carry. And he led the nation in rushing touchdowns. He also led the nation, Madman. Get this, he had 21 carries of 20 or more yards. Like, this dude nearly had two 20-yard runs, like, a game. Like, that is basically what we're talking about when it comes to Kenneth Walker. Just an explosive dude. 89 missed tackles, led college football. Yards after contact. I mentioned Brees Hall led it for since 2019. Kenneth Walker led it last year, 1,154. He had 480 carries in his career to, to compare to Brees Hall. So he's coming in with a lot less tread on the tired. The one area where I'm kind of concerned with him is 
I think they list him at 5'10, you know, 210. I think he's more of like a 5'9, 200 pound guy. You know, it's like high school, like, you know, size things where it's like, man, is that guy 6'4? And you see him six foot, like, they just like hype it up way too hard. That is how I feel with Kenneth Walker. But I mean, and to couple that, he's not a great pass catcher. He had to really show that at his pro day as well. But man, it's just the tape doesn't lie to me. And it's just, he is. He is powerful for that size. He is beating people by his raw speed. He was just like, when I'm watching highlights, it's rare that I'll just be so excited. Like, or I'm just freaking out on my couch. Just enjoying it so much. Kenneth Walker was that for me. I want to hear your take on him. Thriller. I mean, I love Kenneth Walker, you know, and he's, he's, he's sort of my guy. I had him at number four for me. Um, But for all the reasons that you highlighted, I'm a huge fan of his. He was absolutely electric this season, and he had the best film of anyone in yeah. terms of carrying folks, going through them, going around them, burning by them. It was really incredible. And, of course, the pinnacle was in that Michigan-Michigan State game where he just ran all over Michigan and really was instrumental in that victory. And when you put together Kenneth Walker with Gus Johnson describing Kenneth Walker, oh, I mean, you're talking gosh. about the absolute zenith of college football spirit and the essence of what that sport is all about and why we love it so much. No question about it, Will. No argument from me. Your analysis spot on as always. Here's where he wasn't quite number two for me and why he was number four. I think of Kenneth Walker as the Drew Timmy of college football. Oh, okay. An individual that is going to produce incredible statistics at the college level, going to win, obviously have a lot of success, uh, win a number of awards collegiately uh, and and be very successful. I don't know how the game is going to translate to the NFL game. And here's why I say that. Number one, we alluded to it a little bit with the lack of pass catching ability and lack of samples there. He did show uh, that dimension a little bit in pro day. So there, there may be something there. I'm sure there is, but not seeing enough of that on tape, especially in the way running backs are utilized in the modern NFL is a bit of a red flag to me. And number two, Will, he had an incredible tape. There's no question about it. But one thing that's interesting about even the Michigan State running backs sort of historically is they get better with more touches. And, you know, his if you broke down his tape and you saw the number of big runs and the number of big touchdowns and big plays, invariably, they would happen later in games after he's gotten a lot of touches. It, he feels very much like a rhythm running back. And it's almost like a great scorer in the NBA that needs shots. And if you sort of put him off the bench and he only gets a few shots, the effectivity goes down. And I worry about the fact that he, if he can't get his lather going and his rhythm going and the number of touches going the way you do with Michigan State, where you're out, you're consistently averaging 20, 25, 30 carries in these big games, you know, what happens when you only get the ball seven times in a game? Are you still going to be able to have that rhythm? That's the big question for me. And I'm not saying he's not capable of overcoming that. But not having seen that with the sample size combined with his inability to show anything on tape receiving the ball, 
It's for those two reasons that I had him at number four and not right there at number two. And so for me, that's the, that was kind of the separating factor. That's fair. If I may push back. Of the course. guy I want at the end of the game that's hot, that's the running back I want, right? Yeah. And, I mean, if you turn on the Miami tape, that may have been the best tape I've ever watched for a singular running back. Like, from the moment that game started in the New Orange Bowl or whatever they're calling it, the Hard Rock Cafe Stadium for whatever it may be, this guy, I mean, he had seven carries of 10-plus yards, 20 forced missed tackles, like 20 in a game. If you're a running back in a year, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You know, I can, you know, that's that's a solid year. He had 20 in one game. Yeah. And it was it was 27 carries, 172 yards, just a masterclass performance. And what I would push back on too is if this guy was from like, you know, we've done the small school guys, the you know, Chad Mumas, you know, you may even be bringing up a guy named Pierre Strong later, a guy that we've talked about. If it was in a subpar competition level, like even if it was the ACC, I'd kind of be like, you know, you're probably right. Big 10 for me is the second strongest football conference to the SEC. Like they're the only conference that if they can get a hot team, you know, that Ohio State we've seen in the past, the Michigans, you know, there's just teams there that like I trust and I trust their development. The fact that he was able to do it in the Big 10 makes me feel confident that that is, you know, I don't know if he'll be a star. Like I'm not – First round grade on any of these running backs. Right, right. But if he does all the little things he can do, I think he can be an effective running back in the pros. I'm not going to compare his college tape to the next level, but man, if you're beating Big Ten defenses that bad, you might you got a place in the NFL. That's no, what I would for say. Sure. For sure. I I I you know, I I totally agree with you. And I I and I think that we are aligned in a lot of things uh with Kenneth Walker. I think it's just how we're interpreting those things, which is slightly different which is great and and that's what makes i think our interaction in this show so special is that you know we're, we're bringing a couple of different points of view here and folks can kind of take the one that they like and by the way we're not forcing these takes like first take does or you know you know the uh, skip and shannon show we're just this is our genuine honest opinions you're not yeah. going to find you know me just disagreeing with bad man to get some more views so that's yeah. what i love about this talk hey that anyone call me Skip Bayless. You know, that would just oh. be uh, the most depressing thing I would ever see or hear on social media, you know? So call me anything, but just don't call me Skip Bayless. I wouldn't leave my house for a month if someone called me yeah. Skip. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that is like the darkest guy. The way I like to say it, and I hope I'm not getting too political here, he is the Tucker Carlson of sports <laughs> media. That is the way I look at Skip Bayless. If you're offended by that comment, we may have to edit that out, but that's just how I feel. <laughs> um, give me your third running back, because I am excited to hear this. You had a guy that was second and third. It was very close for you in that debate. I have a guy that I think you may be going with, actually, because we've discussed him before. Big name yeah. running back from a big yeah. name school. Um, give me your take, brother. Well, so again, I'm, I'm going a little bit kind of off the wall here, but, you know, it, it may align with you. And it may be someone near and dear to your heart. And that is Rashad White of Arizona State. And I just fell in love with this guy on tape. I've seen a ton of his games in covering, you know, UCLA and the Pac-12 and what have you. And just statistically, obviously, it was there, 1,006 yards, 15 touchdowns, while sharing the backfield 
with uh, Tranium and, and some of those other folks. And Nate then last Daniels, year, taking averaged, a lot of design runs, you know, yep. the quarterback. And, and last year, the guy averaged 10 yards a carry. I mean, it was literally a first down every time he touched the ball. So in theory, if you just gave the ball to Rashad White, you would score on every possession and never actually face second down, right? That's what that means. That not only would you score on every possession, you would never even face second down. And then what I love about White as well is, the versatility out of the backfield from a pass catching standpoint, 43 catches, 456 yards uh, and the touchdown. And really in many ways was Jaden Daniels is option one uh, as a receiver because Arizona state, it was sort of a revolving door in terms of wide receiver one and they're doing a lot of things by committee. I mean, white single-handedly beat USC and obliterated them. And that is a team that still had about a half a dozen NFL prospects and players. And he just, ran through their line, ran around them, and just did whatever he wanted to do. I love his power. I love the balance. Uh, I love his explosiveness. He's got burst, and, and, and I love his feet. He's very quick in these sort of small spaces where you think you have him, and, you know, he makes a move. He makes a jump cut. You know, he's got sort of lateral quickness with his feet, and he can sort of get out of there and turn a no-gain or one yard into seven or eight. And uh, I just love everything about Rashad White, and and that's why he's my number three. I can see him make a big impact in the NFL. And you nailed it, man. I mean, I had him number four, and I, I didn't want to be too biased because, you know, I, that was my alma mater. I root for the kid. Uh, but, you know, you nailed it, man. And speaking of, like, he could turn those one-yard gains into huge touchdowns. We'll take it to the UCLA game. It's a one-point game. At the, this was the turning point of the Sorry. UCLA game. One of the best runs you'll see on film, too. He cuts to the right side, stops on a dime, spin move, cuts it back left, left, breaks a couple more tackles, and then just high dances in the end zone, a la prime time. You know, it was just like one of the coolest things you'll see on a football field. He hurdled a guy at 6'2", 210, uh, 43 catches as a running back. I don't know what more you would want to see in terms of the pass catching. I mean, that is, that's more than Brees Hall had this past year. Like, this guy can catch the football. Um, and the thing that really stood out to me, Madman, that shocks me that he's not being talked about more. He was the only running back in FBS and PFF. Some people have an issue with it. I trust their grading for the most part. There's a couple I'll disagree with here and there, but I think in terms of an overall grading system, they do a good job. He was the only running back to have above 90 rating, which is like very high in both rushing and catching the football. Mm -hmm. So when you add those together, he might like now that I'm talking it out, he might be my third running back. But I just, you know, who said it was Tad Desai? I think he said uh, he, this guy reminds me of Le'Veon Bell. And I think yeah. crazy enough, Le'Veon at his peak was like the best running back in the league. No doubt. That could be Rashad White if he finds the right, you know, system, you know. And I would, I would love to see him in a Steelers uniform. I'm not even a Steelers fan, but just to reunite with a Tomlin like coach who knows how to use one of those running backs, that would be really fun for me any destinations you'd love to see Rashad White maybe the Rams you know maybe the Chargers you know well I think Rams make a lot of sense I think the Chargers make a lot of sense I think that there are teams that are trying to sort of get over the top here as well uh, when you look at the NFC you know is there an opportunity for him to stay close to home and team up with Kyler Murray a little bit with the Cardinals is there an opportunity 
you know, maybe the Cowboys need to be on the market. You know, Zeke Elliott is on the decline a little bit. And maybe if you can get someone on a rookie contract to sort of offset that a little bit, you know, because when the Cowboys are run first and they're really emphasizing their offensive line play, that's when things really open up for Dak and, and those receivers. I think there's a number of different spots you could put him. You could even potentially draft him in Miami with, you know, now that you've got Waddle and you've got Ida, you know, and, you know, the great line that I heard today on ESPN from Robert Griffin III, he says, let's call him the Legion of Zoom. I mean, I just absolutely love that name. Uh, You know, pairing up Rashad White to sort of balance some things out with Tua. I think a number of teams would love him. And here's the other interesting piece, Will, is that he was able to succeed in dysfunction. You know, if you really look at the Arizona State program this year, everything that was going on with Jaden Daniels, things that were going on with the sanctions, Herm really seemed to have kind of lost his grip on the team. Everything that they were going through, the one thing that you could sort of consistently hang your hat on was Rashad White. And his presence is really what kept that program afloat. So in many ways, it's sort of easy to do well and stat pad when everything around you is copacetic. But when you're sort of dealing in a situation where if you don't show up, you know, the, all of the hinges fall off. To me, even beyond the stats, that holds a great deal of weight and shows an accountability and a professionalism that's really going to translate in the NFL. I love it, man. And I just, I had to do it. I looked up the Z contract. Bro, it is the Russell Westbrook contract of the NFL. Like, it is that bad. $50 million guaranteed for a guy that, let's be honest, since about year two has just been pretty bad. And it's 60, like six years, 90 million. Like even if they cut him, that is so much dead cap space. That it's just, I, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I actually can't stand them. So it kind of gives me a little bit of a smile at the end of the day, but you know, Rashad white, you come into a place that's got a great offensive line infrastructure, kind of get that, like, you know, thunder and lightning, Tony Pollard is just such a quick back. That would be a great place. Good call on that, man, man. I really like that. Um, Next guy I got for you. This is my third back, Damian Pierce. And yep. oh, I just – We are thinking similarly, Thriller. He's my other guy that I love. Great – I mean, great minds think alike, Madman. And that's – I think that's why this show works so well. Damian Pierce, he's built just like a like an NFL running back, which I like. Five foot ten, two fifteen. Small sample size, but like really made the most of it. Like to the point where PFF had him as the highest graded rushing running back in the SEC since 2014, since like Todd Gurley. Like that's how highly they thought of Damian Pierce in his role. 100 carries, 574 yards, 13 touchdowns. A little bit of a bigger back. I'd kind of put him in like a goal line situation. Um, And, you know, we talk about this all the time, right? The 40 time sucks, right? We hate the 40 time. He ran a four six six at the combine, blah blah. In practice at the Senior Bowl, he ran twenty miles an hour, twenty point six six miles an hour, which is the fastest a running back has you know ran in that game since Antonio Gibson, who he has like twenty pounds on. Like that tells me if you're running at that in game speed, that's all I need to know. And he checks that box. You know, surprisingly better pass catcher than we thought. 19 grabs last year for a guy that was really used situationally. Like, I think if you exposed him to that same level of passing, uh, he's getting like, you know, 30, 40 catches. Like if he's played more than that. So I just, 
Small sample size, I like him, but that's what we've been talking about too. The tread on the tires matters to me. You're coming in. I want some fresh legs when I get these running backs there, and Pierce provides that. You've you've been high on Pierce even from our sleeper episode. I want to hear your take on having Damian Pierce in my top three. Will I love it? I mean, and he was he was my fifth he was my fifth back, and so for me, I mean, I absolutely love him. Uh, and I think that, you know, you talked a lot about, you know, the lack of tread on the tires. His low center of gravity is what's so impressive to me. And he's going to sort of eat up those difficult yards, you know, in between the tackle box where you need to sort of get, you know, to a, a third and four from a second and ten. Or you need to be able to get to kind of a third and two from a second and seven. You know, those in-between plays before the moving the chains plays that really kind of keep things on schedule and allow great offensive coordinators to get into a rhythm when they're calling a game. That's what Damian Pierce gives you. And, you know, you talk about the 100 carries, 574 yards, Will. That's 5.7 yards per carry in the SEC, you know. And when they have to go up against the Alabamas and the Georgias and the LSUs and on and on the list goes. So, you know, whether – he can run a great 40 time or not. You're talking about a guy who's basically getting you six yards of carry in the most elite NFL ready conference in America. And then when you sort of couple that with his ability to get 19 balls, but it was also when he got those 19 balls and the 216 yards and the three touchdowns again for a team that was revolving the door at quarterback. He really didn't get a lot of rhythm with any one quarterback. They had the situation with Emory Jones. They kept, you know, kept sort of swapping in and out. And so it was a it was a difficult situation for him. I absolutely love him. I think he's tough. He's physical. He would be sort of one of those ideal running backs in Baltimore that you sort of couple oh, with Jackson yeah. on that, you know, where it's those tough yards, low center of gravity, uh, can really take the hits. Um, and so I think there's definitely a place for Damian Pierce to make a really big impact at the next level. I love it, man. And we've touched on actually all five of my backs. Um, do you have any left in your top five? Because we think very similarly as it appears. Will, that was that was sort of my five. And the one other guy who really was on my list that was very close. And, and it was very close into that top five. And you were kind of splitting hairs. And we mentioned it earlier was Pierre Strong of yes. uh, North Dakota State. I, I absolutely love him. When you look at the tape. Um, it's very similar to the Brees Hall tape, you know, and when you look at the things that he did and the types of touchdowns that he had and the types of breakaways that he had and the, and the types of things that he did in the screen game and in the receiving game and, and at all levels of the defense, it was actually very similar to Brees Hall, obviously different level of competition, but when you sort of put it all together, 1,673 yards, 18 touchdowns, another 22 catches out of the backfield, I think he's a real steal um, and someone that you can get a lot of value for late in the draft, especially if some of these other guys maybe are off the board round three, round four. And if you're sitting there at round six or seven and you need someone and because he's sort of a smaller school guy, he may be going underneath the radar. Pierre Strong for me is someone who was that other guy above the rest of the pack. For me, it was sort of this group that we talked about with Pierre Strong and then there was kind of a clear standard deviation difference between these folks and everybody else. Pierre Strong, at the end of the day, could maybe even be the highest value pick at running back, depending on where he's taken. That's the thing, too, with running backs. I think situationally based is the most important thing for running backs because 
you can get to a room where it's crowded. You may not get the reps, but like we've seen, like if you just play fantasy football, you know, these guys that will just eventually go to different teams and just find a role because they don't have the depth. And next thing you know, they're a high draft pick when it comes to fantasy football. There was two other guys that I thought about um, Brian Robinson, Jr. Alabama, you know, the pedigree there. I liked what he did on tape, but I got to be honest, man. I just saw Bo Scarborough 2.0. Like that is, it was like almost like a dead, you know, uh, you know, comparison to Bo Scarborough. Big physical back. He could have a role there, but he's a fifth-year senior coming out. I just think those Alabama practices are so brutal for five years with Nick Saban. I don't know if I'm counting on him to really make an impact in the NFL. And the other guy, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. You know, and he's he's solid. Um, the the pass blocking might be the best of any running back I saw. Yeah, but that's like. You know, I had a cousin that was dating somebody back in high school, and her point was, why are you dating this guy? Oh, he's got a nice car. It's like, that's the only reason? Like, that is the only reason to take them. That is Kyron Williams. It's like, well, you know, he's a good pass blocker. It's like, okay, like, we can't find somebody else to pass block. Like, that's the one trait that you're really looking for. And that's what I feel like with Kyron Williams, man. Like, he's good. He's running behind a great Notre Dame offensive line. Love the pass block. I love the effort he exudes on that end, but it's just not enough for me to put him in my top five. I think he's worthy of an NFL pick. But those are our guys, man. And I thought we did a really good job of recapping that very similar list. But, dude, I just want to say how much fun this has been. We've done every single position group. We're going to be Absolutely. cooking up more ideas coming up. We're going to have, obviously, our mock draft coming up. I think that'll be a little closer to the draft. Hell, we might even be at the NFL draft. I know I'm going to be there. I don't know if we're going to – I'm going to be credentialed. If this guy gets credentialed on my right, we'll probably have to do a live podcast from Vegas. We'll make it as fun as possible. Um, like and subscribe dra- uh, the LA Football Network uh, station. Follow us on Twitter. He's at LAFB Jams. I'm at Will LA Football Network. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Draft is in session. We are out.